Welcome to One Man Brand Radio with Ray Sagern, the radio show for entrepreneurs and business owners, leaders, and dreamers. Learn more at newsradioklbj.com and onemanbrandradio.com. Now, here's Ray. One Man Brand Radio, we're back. News Radio KLBJ. It's the voice of the entrepreneur, and we're here Saturday morning, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. here on KLBJ AM. You find our website online. That's onemanbrandradio.com. Of course, we're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. All of those at onemanbrandradio.com. I am super excited about our guest today because not only is he a legend here in Austin, but also a personal mentor of mine as a former kind of writer for the Chronicle. You guys let me write some stuff for the Chronicle for a while, but... I think we mostly had kind of writers. <laughs> but we got Lewis Black, who's founder and still the editor of that ferociously independent newspaper. And of course, it's well known that Lewis and Nick from the Chronicle, uh, in coordination with Roland Swenson and, and Lewis Myers, formed south by southwest and still active in all that lewis welcome to one man brand radio thank you so much for having me and i'm really i'm in name the editor but kim jones is actually matt is the editor now i see okay so you know transitions happen let's just start right there because i think people know you as um even as much as being like the editor uh, you know of the chronicle but like your page two article still you're an active ferocious political voice commenting on our city people know south by southwest is this 800 pound gorilla and now as a, as a filmmaker and active in the film business and traveling the world speaking i don't think people think of you as an entrepreneur but there's an awful lot of business success in your background and in your present tell me about lewis black the businessman you know actually the two things i find most frustrating are I'm a, an entrepreneurial capitalist and an unusually successful one. You know, I've launched a number of businesses and a large number of nonprofit events and, and things. And I mean, I, I like business and being a lefty and a progressive and, you know, pro the social safety net, people decide they know all about you, mm-hmm. you know, and so that, you know, you, you're, you're, you know, you're a, a hippie freak who doesn't understand ec- the economy. And, and most of the time I, when I'm engaged arguing about these things, I've probably done more than the people I'm arguing with in terms of building businesses, in terms of paying insurance, in terms of hiring people, in terms of branding and positioning in the market. I do all that. So we, we all do all of it together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's it's the whole, you know, liberalism is a mental disease or the libtards or, you know, there's a whole mm-hmm. way of trying not to listen to what other people have to say by categorizing them. And so I love Bill's business. I, I think business is great. I like capitalism. You know, I'm... Um, I like socially responsible capitalism, mm-hmm. um, but I certainly, you know, I think business is one of the most fun things I do. Sure. This is One Man Brand Radio, Lewis Black, Austin Chronicle, and South by Southwest, and Lewis Black Productions a production for use as your film arm. I want to talk yeah. to you about that in a little bit, too, but first, take me back to the early days. You know, when I started working at KUT in 1986, editing audio tape with a razor blade and tape and a grease pencil, right, and they finally let me cover City Hall. That was 1988, and I remember a day at City Hall in 1988 was characterized by two things. When was the Monjazilla truck going to bring the pizza, and was this a Chronicle week or not because at the time you were only brought you were only publishing every other week take me back to those early days of the chronicle you know we started in 81 and we don't go weekly until late 88 i believe and it was interesting because it was every other week which is a terrible rhythm you know i mean it's not a good in terms of commenting on things you had to be weekly and it it was interesting because you started the paper nobody knew what it was you know in the beginning i used to be able to do 
The Austin Chronicle, uh, we're a, a local paper covering politics and arts and entertainment, 20,000 readers. I mean, I used to be able to do all of that in like six se- seconds because people didn't know what I was talking about. Right. I could Your elevator same. pitcher. Yeah. Okay, here's the deal statement. Yeah, and with, and, and with South By as well. I mean, I used to have, you know, and one, I, I don't talk as quickly as I did. And two, I don't even remember. But, you know, the stuff we started now, what's so interesting now is that people look at it so much as though it's geographical. Like South By is a mountain. It didn't get there. It's always been there. There or you know the chronicle is a forest you know and we when we started it and this stuff wasn't there and we built it by hand you know stone by stone and we didn't know what we were doing and we definitely did as part of a community you know it wasn't me it wasn't me and nick it was an army uh it wasn't me and nick and roland of course has to be mentioned with south by but we did what we thought was right we did what we were passionate about we were so thrilled to be part of this community where everybody where so many people worked towards a common goals which had to do with quality you know with you know with writing great songs or being a great dj or being the best at what you were doing for starters i saw the uh the documentary about outside industry Uh outside industry that the our friends up at arts and labor did so uh that's the beginning of south by southwest which also gave kind of a, a window into the soul of the early south by southwest and that actually led me into going back through some of the chronicle archives when jody denberg and, and a lot of the guys who maybe aren't considered chronicle stalwarts who were there in the beginning each, everybody was kind of given their version of things and you really had to live for the dream back then you guys were really just living this business around the clock it really was an all-consuming thing to, to will that thing into existence wasn't it, it not only was it all, I mean, you literally it was all-consuming you had to be driven but the notion that this was going to work out never crossed our minds you know i mean the notion we we're going to make a living from this or that you know south by would become what south by has become or that austin would become what austin's become that this kid who came up to me at 85 and liberty lunch to talk about movies would turn out to be richard linkletter you know i mean that all of that it was just a, a lot of people who shared a lot of passion and really you know wanted to do the best work possible and so when we started it all nobody had any idea where we were going this is one man brand radio news radio klbj lewis black from the austin chronicle and south by southwest is our guest this morning the listeners of my show uh, know that I'm big on you got to skin your knee as an entrepreneur. You've got to work through the failures. You're either succeeding or you're learning or you're making the same mistakes over and over in that insanity thing, right? And they've heard me share my my famous flaming failure of entrepreneurship, the Tulsa Independent. And I mentioned the fact that you were very kind. You were very generous in sort of taking me aside when I would come back to visit Austin, which is pretty regularly then, you know, uh, and you told me early on that I was in for a ride and that it said something like it was either going to be financial staying power or emotional staying power, something like that, that one of the two. How did you guys work through your own financial staying power and emotional staying power issues there in the beginning? There's, there's a one. We did everything wrong you could do wrong in the first 10 years. We didn't do a whole lot of things wrong twice. We did do some, and I can tell you what they are. So, and I've always thought that's the best way to do it. You know, I mean, I wouldn't have done it intentionally, but when you do something wrong, you really learn. You know, I, I feel sorry for the people who start in business or even like, you know, students are always doing well. I was a terrible student in public school. I was a disaster. I was used to failure. Being used to failure is terrific. I, I worry about people who like hit it out of the ballpark, you know, the first couple of times they're at bat and they think that's the game. Right. You know, so in the beginning, no, Tenacity. Yeah. yeah. I didn't expect to succeed. 
we fail, and, and I fulfilled those expectations. <laughs> we failed a lot, but we didn't see any other way out. It was never a business. It was never a job. It was never trying to uh, create a financial entity. It was a mission. I mean, it really was a mission, and we really believed in what we were doing. And when you're trapped like that, you know, there's no way out. And the doc I did on Rick Linkletter, I think it's Clark Walker's talking about Rick, and he said, you know, in the first film he made, you can't learn to plow by reading books, which most people haven't seen. But he said, you know, he would turn the camera on, get in front of the camera, do the scene, turn the camera off, and then he had like a recording thing on his belt. He would turn that off. He was making the movie by himself, and he, and he said, you know, you just can't stop somebody like that. And the thing was, you just couldn't stop us. And it wasn't that we were smart or righteous or blessed by God. It was, we were so determined. We knew what we were doing was important and without ever having used the word important. And if you probably said it to us, we would have done spit takes. But there was something about what we were doing. Lately, I've begun to realize, and I talk about this, early on, one of the most important decisions we made at the Chronicles was going to be about Austin. So we may not cover the new Grateful Dead album or the new Rolling Stone album, but we were going to cover every album in Austin. And it was really a belief that if you looked at your own scene, you could nurture your own scene. Well, 87, South by starts. And one of the things that Roland suggested right away was we asked 14 papers like ours to co-sponsor. So we began with a network of weeklies like The Chronicle. And they sent people. I don't even think we thought, I hadn't thought it through like that. Mm -hmm. But suddenly, like, there was no place else in the country where the weekly writers and then the national all the people who wrote on music would come to hang out and that became Soundfly. When they came, they picked up the Chronicle. The focus was on local music. And I think a lot of people went home and did that. And, and they said, well, why don't we write about our bands? Why don't, and, and I think that helped change the culture. That was a conscious decision by me and Jeff Whittington and Nick Barbaro, Margaret Moser, you know, that was really, but, but the ramifications certainly we hadn't thought through. This one-man brand radio, Lewis Black from The Chronicle and from South by Southwest is our guest this morning. we got a lot to talk about this morning. Got you in for the full show. I want to double back and talk about South by Southwest a lot more and your film endeavors. And We have a rule not to talk politics on this show because there's so much political talk, and we're on the Rush Limbaugh station. There's a lot of political talk. <laughs> right. but I've got you here, so we have to talk politics this morning, but we'll get to that at the end. How about that? We'll save the best for last. Okay. One last thing. Let me take a quick break, Lewis, but what a lot of people don't know about you is you've got a fine arts degree, film critic. Is is there any career path less destined for multimillionaire publishing magnate than film critic? You know, I don't, I don't think, I think where I started and what I did along the way in no way prepared either me or anybody else for where I ended up. I mean, I, I, I really do believe that moving to Austin, Texas was incredible. That changed my life. And sometimes I'll say to people, oh, no, you would have done well in New York. Or, no, I wouldn't have. I mean, I know who I am. I might have done okay. But I, I, you know, I certainly wouldn't have survived L.A. and I wouldn't have flourished in New York. You know, I, it was being in Austin, and then it was this miracle of getting to work with this incredible community of musicians and filmmakers and writers and artists. It, what dumb luck! This is One Man Brain Radio. We got to take a quick break. We'll come back, pick up the conversation with Lewis Black, and we'll. I think we'll talk about film stuff next. Okay. We'll pick that up next when show continues here on News Radio KLBJ. You're listening to One Man Brand Radio with Ray Sagern on News Radio KLBJ. Now, here's Ray. And we're back. It's One Man Brand Radio, the voice of the entrepreneur. We're here Saturday mornings from 
6 a.m. to 7 a.m. Super stoked to have Lewis Black from the Austin Chronicle in and, of course, one of the co-founders of South by Southwest. We'll get to South by Southwest in a little bit because it's kind of become the 800-pound gorilla, and I know it's fairly well documented. But what I think is interesting, uh, Lewis, with sort of where you're at in your life now, I'm interested in what you're doing in filmmaking. And there's a lot of tentacles I see there because I think we're kindred spirits in that regard. But, you know, I was at the uh, Alamo last South by Southwest when you guys did the the last night at the Alamo uh, release thing. You had the actors there and you, uh, you, you had Rick there. That was a lot of fun. I see what you're doing with your production for you. And, of course, the documentary that you co-directed about Rick. Talk to me about the business of filmmaking at this stage of your life. You know, first you have to talk about Austin, Texas. And one of the things that I think defines it is there's a real reverence for the past, which means that if you're in film, you know who Toby Hooper is, you know who Eagle Pinnell is. If you're in music, you know who Rocky Erickson is. And even if you're not from Austin, you should know who Rocky Erickson is. Sure. But, you know, I mean, you, you know you know about the 13th floor elevators. Uh, and there's an involvement in the present. It's There's a community. It's collaborative. It's collective. And it was passionate about what it does. And then there's a commitment to the future. And I think when you talk about, like, you know, me restore, helping to put restore last night the Alamo, that's part of what we all do. You know, why is Rick Linklater there because he believes in that you know and so right now I'm like the luckiest fool around because I always want to be a filmmaker um, when I did my film one my first film directing you know I, I wrote the film I helped put together with Ed Lowry and Missy Boswell you know cast it did everything the first shot Ed said to me where do you want to put the camera and the, the heavens opened and, <laughs> and God spoke to me and God said you don't really want to be a director because you don't know where you want to put the camera and you don't really care where the camera goes <laughs> And so I was like 26, 27, and, and I was fine, filmmaker. I mean, I produced a little bit then, but then The Chronicle came along and South By came along and all these other things that I did, and, and I was fine. I was very happy, and then, you know, I got involved with Margaret Brown and Be Here to Love Me, a film about Townsend sure. Sand, and I was an executive producer on that, and that led me to be producing other films. And then kind of gradually in my last act, you know, I'm less involved with South by than I used to be. I'm still involved with the Chronicle, but in different ways. But what I'm doing more now is film, and and it's kind of like <laughs> I'm giddy. You know, it's it's uh what it's so exciting. As a man who's had considerable entrepreneurial success with with the Chronicle and with South by Southwest, what's the entrepreneurial lesson that you can offer from your adventures in filmmaking for anybody who listens to the show? I, I, you know, this isn't a show for entrepreneurial filmmakers. It's just, it's the voice of the entrepreneur and we got we got people who are running heating and air conditioning companies jewelry stores just whatever that's where we found our audience of people that are learning how to be entrepreneurs and go chase their dreams what can you share advice wise counsel wise from what you've learned specifically in this last act career in filmmaking you know the crucial idea behind south by southwest the reason it works is that creative activity is both a business and an art form and the more you understand the business, the more control you have over the art form. That's true of everything. It's heating and air conditioning, jewelry, you know, repairing cars. Whatever you do, what your life's work is, 
is you should be passionate about. You know, you shouldn't have a job where you get up in the morning and dread to do it. And if you're passionate about it, you should one want to be the best at what you do that's out there. You know, if you know if, if it's the best heating duct guy. And I, and when I say this, I should point out that Nick Barbro's stepfather was a legend in air conditioning ducts. Is that right? I, I know nothing about further than that. I assume if you found somebody who really knew the history of air conditioning and mentioned his name, because I read the obits, they would know who he was. But wow. it's not, and it's not, I'm not such an asshole that I think it's got to be about, about, about film or about music. It's your work. But the most important thing is if you wake up every morning and you do what you care about, then when it goes well, it's fantastic. And when it goes badly, it's not that bad because you're doing what you care about. And then business is important. You know, people, you know, you want to, and what businesses is people vote with their pocketbooks and, and, you know, and the lefties who tell you that's not true or the right wingers who tell you, you know, people. And so you, what you want to do is appeal to people. You want to put out a paper that everybody has to pick up on Thursday when it comes out because they want to know what's going on in Austin. Or you want to do an event like South that brings people from all over the world. I was just in Sweden. And what was astonishing to me was so many of the people there talked about how important South by had been to them. The speaker before me, they met at South by. The, he talked about all the business he had gotten from South by. I mean, so you want to you want to love what you do. You want to be creative at it. You want to control it yourself, and then you you want to do the best job possible. And you never want to forget that business is business. So let's talk about your your visit to Sweden. And in fact, I saw your partner Sandy posted a snippet of the right. of the presentation that you did. Austin, Texas, in the middle of it, we could change the way the world thought about itself by saying that music was a value and film was a value, and that you know new media was a value, and cooperation, and collaboration, and passion were the ways to drive that. It was never about money. It was always about creativity and the ways to facilitate that. And it began working. I mean, it was like so strange. It was such, we had no idea. And, and even here, when you were talking about being at South but I'm still kind of amazed at crap like that. You know, I, I think we had this little thing we started in this office, and it, it's reverberated around the world because the ideas are so real. Look to your right, look to your left, work with those people, create your own industry, create your own music, create your own film, start at home. All right, Lewis, now set the stage. Where were you? What were you doing? Who were you talking to? Were you, you know? We have a, a great friend named Ron Lynch, and Ron invited us to come. We were at a, a, it was a, an event in Lula, L-U-L-E-A, Sweden, about 500 miles away from Stockholm. And it was you know just a lot of media entrepreneurs and young people and old people. And so we were talking, and what I talk about now is you know Austin, which is where it's a collaborative, collective community driven by passion, where people work really hard. And if you can't about power or you care a lot about money or you care about who's sleeping with who or who's running the company you go to LA or New York or Nashville in Austin if you were here you care about being as good as you can be in the field that you're working in you know what I, mean? I mean you know if, if you want to have hit songs go to Nashville or LA but if you want to be the best songwriter around you come to Austin because this town is loaded with the great talent. Mm -hmm. And if you show, put, you know, if you put a film on the screen and Linkletter and Rodriguez and Judge and uh, uh, Jeff Nichols might be in the audience, it better be good. You know, if, if you get on stage and perform a song and, and it's, you know, Joe Ely and Butch Hancock and and, uh, and David Halley and, and on and on, you better know what you're doing. You know, I used to go to Antone's a lot. You'd always end up at Antone's. You know, you go to mm -hmm. five other clubs you know, because Clifford would go late. Mm -hmm. But these old blue guys who blue 
blues guys who were on the road, you know, 250 nights a year, who mostly phoned it in. You know, they knew how to play a lame solo and have one of the, you know, fan the guitars though they're smoking, so the audience <laughs> would buy the crap they were selling. Right. But when they were at Antones, they better, you know, and there in the back would be Stevie Rage Vaughan and Jimmy Vaughan and Kim Wilson and Lou Ann Barton and Angela Straley and on and on. And they'd be leaning. And when the people started playing, those folks could not pretend to like music they didn't like. And the worst thing in the world would be if you weren't really doing it, they would be out in the alley smoking cigarettes. And if you were really doing it, then the best audience in the world, because these are people who knew it, appreciated what you were doing, were there just loving it. I was at um, the Bridge School Benefit once, which is Neil Young's event in California, and we went with our friend Michael Nesmith, who was in The Monkees, but was also one of the world's great songwriters. And we were watching uh, Elton John and Leon Russell play piano. You know, and Leon suddenly started just going. And Michael, who was very, very reserved, started just screaming. Oh, that's it, that's it. And that's what you live for. When you get a guy like that to get excited. You know, when I show something to a Rick Linkletter or a Jonathan Demme and they call me up to say, who made this? That's what, you, you know, nobody wants to keep anybody out of the club. Everybody wants people to do the best work possible. Most people want people to live as good a lives as they can. And, and Austin is a community where people actually go out of their way to make that happen. This is One Man Brand Radio. I'm Ray Sager, and Lewis Black is our guest today. Man, Lewis, I knew it. I knew that we would run. We're going to run out of show before we run out of things to talk about, but we'll take a quick little break. we we'll do the news at the bottom of the hour. We'll come back and pick things up with Lewis Black, Austin Chronicle, South by Southwest, and, of course, uh, his film endeavors. We'll talk more about all that when One Man Brand Radio continues next here on News Radio KLBJ. Listening to One Man Brand Radio with Ray Sagern on News Radio KLBJ. Now, here's Ray. It's One Man Brand Radio, and we're back. Lewis Black from the Austin Chronicle and South by Southwest is here. Last South by Southwest, you threw a party at your house that I attended, which was this amazing cavalcade of filmmakers. Hey, hey there's Jeff Nichols. Hey, everybody, everybody was there, right? And, and you're holding court, and everybody's coming along. But one of the best—it's one of my best South by Southwest memories ever, which was uh, visiting with Leonard Malton and his daughter mm-hmm. for about 30 minutes. Just the most gracious people, and it turns out. Uh, you know, Leonard's a, a childhood friend we, of yours, we right? We together, yeah. yeah. At, at one of those parties, not that year, but the year before, Jonathan Demi was there. And Jonathan and I were talking, and we started talking about Julian Temple, the great British director. And and Jonathan said, well, what do you think Temple did then? I said, what? I don't know. What do you want me to do, ask him? And Jonathan turned around like an Annie Hall. He turned around, grabbed the guy behind him, pulled him over and said, Julian, I had no idea Julian Temple was there. What do you think? <laughs> One Man Brand Radio's on KLBJ. Lewis Black is our guest. So before, long before I stumbled into the Chronicle and said, hey, can I write some <laughs> stuff for you guys? I think it was, uh, so Rob Patterson was the music director then, and then Brent Grolke was my was my music director for a half second, and then I was on doing other things. But before any of that, uh, I was college radio man down Student Radio Task Force and eventually KTSB, and we did these awesome Radiohead t-shirts, and it's kind of an interesting little aside shared history between me and you. that The t-shirt that was designed on my watch as promotions director and publicity director and business manager was, in fact, worn by you in the movie Slacker. It, it, is, it is worn by me in Slacker, and I still have it somewhere. 
somewhere. Just for the I didn't design it, but okay. I was in charge of those departments when those you shirts know, were made. The, it was a great honor that it made its way into that film. But it's like the miracle of Austin is that it's genuine and it's real. I mean, I hear so much crap. I'm the man now and I'm a sellout and I'm full of it and I destroyed the Austin music scene single hand. And fine, and anybody wants to believe that, they're welcome to anything. You know, I'll agree to it. I agree to anything negative anybody says about it. But the real remarkable thing was all of us were young kids and we loved film and we loved music and we were excited about creativity and we went and we were real stupid. We ran into the wall and we got hurt. We got up. We ran into the wall again. You know, I always like to say a lot of it's like the Roadrunner cartoons. We go flying off that cliff all the time. And the most important thing <laughs> you discover is when you crash, you don't die. It's mm -hmm. not, it could be very embarrassing. It could be financially devastating. It could really hurt emotionally, but you don't. Die. That's right. And then you learn, you go running off the cliff, and the more you run off the cliff, the more you discover sometimes you actually make it through the air. You know, gravity isn't <laughs> smart it. enough to catch on to you. You know, we've got a graphic of the Roadrunner rules that we have in the in my office. But and, that's, to yeah. me, my mind, that's, yeah. and, and in Austin, you know, it, it like, it, it's, it's one of those things where, the, the the visual would be thousands of cliffs with tens of thousands of people running off of them every day. They get up in the morning, they run off the cliff. They write a song, they form a band, they make a movie, they start a business, they write something. And and a lot of and there's lots of smoke from people falling and crashing and people falling. But the miracle is that a lot of people make it. They start running, and when they're running, they're not alone. So let's take that, and, and, and I'm going to just follow that rabbit into the forest, mm -hmm. and let's take it a couple of places. Let's, let's talk about where the newspaper business is. But before we get to that, let's take that thing you're talking about uh, with your filmmaking endeavors. Now you get, so I want to make sure i got all the tentacles here, because I know we've got Lewis Black Productions. We've got production for use. Just wrapped up a master class in production. Right. right? So, but, so we've got Lewis Black Productions. We've got production for use. Talk to me about, uh, now granted, you, you said earlier, this is, this is where you're at in your life, right? And, and you've done very well for yourselves, and, I, and I'm sure that South by Southwest continues to be a very profitable uh, endeavor for you. Talk to me about the economics of what you want to accomplish and the vision of what you want to accomplish with these film entities with where you're at in 2017. So I'm like the I'm the poster boy for not for not asking that question because I've had so much luck doing what I believed. Every time we tried to make money, we screwed it up. We you know it was a disaster. A lot of what we did because we believed in it and a passion made money. So my economic business plan is do what I think is entertaining or interesting, and 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 I, I don't have business plans, and you know, and in my head I probably know to the dime what's being spent and what's coming in and what I have more than most people because I really respect money. But my idea is to have a really good time and to count on the fact that somewhere along the way we're going to figure out something that's going to make us all a bunch of money, and it's that's never the driving force. And again, whenever I tried to do that, it was just a disaster. Go look up the first. First two issues of the early, first year of the Chronicle, we did two fashion issues to find out how people who shouldn't do a fashion issue <laughs> but are doing one to make money, how badly they can do it. This is One Man Brand Radio on KLBJ. And let's talk about the Chronicle then because it's well documented that a lot of well-known on the same par with Austin Chronicle alternative weeklies have, have gone away. And uh, uh, certainly a lot of the revenue model is shifting all online, although the Chronicle certainly has a, a very dynamic and well-trafficked website. But talk to me about the evolving economics of what you're doing with the paper there. 
you know, with the Chronicle, it took 10 years to get going, and then it had a really long run where we were one of the most profitable demograph- you know, per- demographics papers in the country, one of the most important, and it was great fun. And now print media has gone through a terrible evolution. And online doesn't generate revenue, and print doesn't generate anywhere near the revenue it just did a few years ago. So we're in the process of trying to figure out how to reinvent it. And it's, it's, for me, it's like I, we always did exactly, I knew what to do. I knew the kind of paper I wanted to put out. I knew the kind of writing that I cared about. I knew the way I wanted to interact with the community. And when I say I, 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 it was we, but I'm talking for myself. Right now, I don't, I don't get it anymore. You know, I don't understand the dynamic. I couldn't tweet to save my life. I can't say my name in 146 characters. You know? <laughs> I'm a verbose person. And, uh, and so right now, it's really kind of the, that exploration of trying to figure out what the next act is. And I'm not entirely sure. Um, lately, a number of people who really understand new media who care about the Chronicle come to me and said, let's sit down and, and talk because there's stuff you could be doing that you're not, and hopefully that's going to work out. Is there a succession plan for what happens with the Chronicle past you and, and Nick? Uh, no. <laughs> They're never. And actually, on four or five occasions, Nick and I have had discussions that have lasted up to 90 seconds about what, <laughs> okay, what the good. succession plan okay, should good. be. You know, at one point, it seemed real obvious that we could. But you guys sell. both have sons that I don't yeah. know if they've shown any interest in. I, I, and not, Zeke run works at the Chronicle, but I don't think has any interest in running it. And Eli, I don't think wants to run it. But it's, you know, I don't know what's going. And right now, it loses money, so the, you know nobody's going to want to take it over. If we turn it around, then I believe we will. Then we'll see. You know, it, it's it's just. To live in a world as dynamic as the one we live in, where things keep changing all the time, Mm -hmm. one makes for extraordinary opportunity. You know, anybody walks around bemoaning this is missing the fact that everything—it's incredible what's going on. You know, media has changed, technology has changed, information has changed. It's exciting, but for somebody such as I'm a Gutenberg baby. You know, my diaper was a Gutenberg diaper. I believe (laughs) the printed word. I don't understand new media, and so I'm a little bit befuddled. And I'm, and it's a little bit sad to have you know climb the highest mountain and then find yourself in the lowest valley and uh and I it's not nobody should, I'm I'm sure nobody is crying for me or should because I've been so lucky in so many other ways but you know the Chronicles my baby it's it's our baby and it's like you know it, it's it's not as healthy or happy as it could be and and we're figuring that out what to go do. This is One Man Brand Radio. We'll be back to wrap things up with Lewis Black when we continue here on News Radio KLBJ. You're listening to One Man Brand Radio with Ray Sagern on News Radio KLBJ. Now, here's Ray. All right, we're back. Segment four. We're back here wrapping things up, heading into the home stretch here. We've got about 10 minutes left with Lewis Black. And, and like I told you, we we're going to run out of show before we ran out of things to talk about. You guys asked me, uh, you guys being the Chronicle, it was actually Raul Hernandez who said, Hey, Ray, the back room's closed, and will you write a first person shooter's account of the glory days of the back room, late 80s, early 90s? And of course, a big chunk of that centers on, you know, me going to work for Ramsey, then I'm kind of living Jim in his Ramsey. spare bedroom. Jim yeah. Ramsey, yes, our mutual friend to, who uh, uh, is no longer with us, uh, dearly departed. But you wrote a fantastic uh, obit for him. You actually referenced that article in, in your obit that you wrote for him. We could talk about Jim if you want, because obviously he's on the, with yourself of the that double handful of people who really influenced me in this lifetime in terms of what I've done in media and creating things. But uh, more than anything, I think the question I've got for you is just... 
as we sit here in 2017, so many people have come and gone, and, and it's got me thinking about their legacies. So my question to you is, do you think about what your legacy is and what you're leaving behind? You know, I didn't think about any of that. I was just, what's the next problem? I was full speed ahead until I almost died in, 19, in 2011, you know, and then I was on a couch for two years because of my health. And, and, and I never spent one second saying, well, I wonder what happened that I'm not doing well. I know exactly what happened that I wasn't doing well, and I did it. And that was the point where I began to actually look at what I had done and where I was going. And it's an unhealthy thing. You should just keep going forward. Don't look back. I think Jim Ramsey is an ideal example because you and I could sit here and we could bring in other people. And we could talk for two days straight on every everything that was wrong about Jim and everything that Jim did that was dishonest or wrong about how many times you sat there when he came in with the new dentist and the investors and you knew they were going to end up at the cleaners. But the reality of the situation is what did Jim accomplish? Sure. How many bands yeah. you know, came into existence because of Jim? How much great music came out of, you know, I mean, how much of the scene that we live in today did Jim make happen? We're all humans. We're all feet of clay. You know, I mean, I'm never surprised when you find anything human about anybody. You know, I, I certainly don't want all my perk, uh, perkadillos put up there for everybody to know, but I'm human. I ain't no better than, in fact, I'm worse than a lot of people. At the end of the day, it's the work you did. It's not who you are. It's what you accomplished in a way. And if you want to take stuff away from Jim for being Jim, go right ahead. But when I look back at Ramsey, I think what a glorious life. Sure. How indebted I personally am to Jim Ramsey. And not just to Jim Ramsey, there's a whole... Two generations of pirates, mm -hmm. you know, where you could talk about these guys uh, right. and, and, and say the worst right. possible things, all right. of them true. Right. And what you miss is they went into the wilderness and right. they built civilization. It's like The Searchers, right. John Ford's great film, where at the end of it, what he, the whole film argues that the guys who tamed the, the West, who made civilization possible, like Ethan Edwards in The Searchers, John Wayne's character, were mostly psychopaths who couldn't function in civilization. But God, they did amazing things you know and and we came we came up with a generation of freebooters i won't mention their name i interviewed a very important local promoter once and the first thing he said to me he goes i just want you to know i didn't shoot that guy <laughs> i shot through the wall and he was standing there <laughs> and that to my mind that's the title of the book yeah. i didn't shoot that guy i shot i mean <laughs> it, it really was people who you know, they they weren't always in, in well-dressed or well-mannered. They didn't go to tea parties. But, boy, did they tear things up. And, boy, did they make stuff happen. And, God, it was glorious. And it still is. One Man Brand Radio with Lewis Black from the Austin Chronicle and South by Southwest. You mentioned your near-death experience. Uh -huh. You showed me yours. You know, for me, it was hitting that bottom with uh, drugs and alcohol and uh I get my handle on some of the the concomitant resultant uh, mental illness that came out of that, but uh, you know uh, every hurdle, every it gives you an opportunity to to clear it and become a better person. I know from having mutual friends who are employees of the Chronicle that said the the Lewis Black to work for after that experience was. It was a little bit kinder and gentler, Lewis, than than maybe 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 a little of the edge taken off. Huh? I miss the old guy. I don't like the new guy as much. He's nicer. He's friendly, <laughs> but he's not as driven. I mean, he doesn't know where he's going as much. You know, I I I, I used to like when I, you know it sounds so sickening, but people used to be scared of me, and it was I didn't even know it. I was so insecure. I was so you know driven. 
and I miss that people you know that I'm approachable. <laughs> um, yeah, sure, and it changed more than that. I I was uh, about 15 years into the Chronicle. I realized like I was a terrible boss because I might explode at any moment. Here I was. I thought I was a lefty. I thought I was a progressive, and I was a terrible boss because if even if your boss is nice 95 percent of the time, if they may explode, you're always on edge. And I went into therapy to become a better boss. This is probably you know. Uh, 1995, 96, 15 yeah. years in the Chronicle, and uh-huh. so I went through a bunch of changes. Yeah, but and 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 I hope I improved. But I also like to think of that the kid who didn't know what he was doing, who didn't know business, who was so insecure, who had no skill sets, no talent, and was just driven. Ostensibly bringing you in in advance of South by Southwest. We didn't really talk about South by Southwest very much, but that's fine. I think we, we kind of brushed up against it. But let's talk about Austin. I'll get you out of here on this one. Well documented that we, you and I are of the same opinion that for me anyway, graduating 1985 from Georgetown High School and a graduate of Gallette Elementary earlier than that, you know, lifelong Austinite and Central Texan, the lifeblood is Austin, whether it was the Austin of the 70s when I was running around on the train tracks over at Anderson and uh, Morrow there, or whether it was uh, working at the ice rink at North Cross Mall, okay, uh, driving the Zamboni there, or whether it was, you know, living at Taos Co-op, or writing for the Chronicle, or all my radio adventures. It's all about Austin. That's the fabric that connects all of those in my adventure. Hell, even when I went to Tulsa, even my six years on dangerous foreign soil in Oklahoma, okay, it was still about Austin when I was up there trying to replicate your paper up there. It's all about Austin, but Austin's changing. So let's get you out of here on that. You know, Austin is changing. And one, I don't go out. You know, I have a great house. I have a wonderful partner. I have all these businesses that come to me. I don't go out as much as I used. I'm 66. I got nothing, you know. So I don't know what's going on. But the magic is still there to me. The community is still there to me. And what's the best thing? I was talking to uh, Paul Mervides, who's a great uh, underground cartoonist. And then I was talking to Ray Benson about it. And they were talking about how in the early days, the work was so incredible because you were trying to impress each other. Not ego uh, Trump, excuse my use of the word, Trump each other. You know, not humiliate the other one. You would be, you were as an artist or a writer or a musician or a filmmaker or a DJ, you wanted to be as good as there anybody was because you, you were in that community where you wanted somebody to come up to you and say, what you wrote was really good. Or, you know, I listened to you last night and some of the music you played, I went out and bought. Or, you know, what I mean, that what you wanted to do was stand up. Sure. I'll give you a great example. You know, the television uh, creator, David Simon, The Wire, right? right? In an interview, I once heard him say that anything that he did with Homicide the Book was he wanted the cops who read it to be, yeah, that's true. They told it true. And I feel like that's kind of, there's a parallel for that in Austin, which is whether you're creating this or that or the other, it's the convergence of the spirit that all of these different endeavors seem to be, have woven into them. And at the end of the day, you're right. At the end of the day, it's the audience. It's the guys who don't write songs, who don't make movies. But in the audience, Austin's got the best audience in the world. You know, the guys who are bricklayers or electricians or plumbers or who do heating vacs, who do this or do that. But at the end of the day, take that money to go to the Continental to hear music or go to the Alamo to see a movie or to go do this or do that. And they're the best audience in the world. They really are because they care and they're smart and they know this stuff. And they're not going to put up with crap. You know, in Austin, you can't do that lousy guitar solo and have one of the guys fan <laughs> no, you yeah. and get away with it because the audience knows. And that's what I think that's what's remarkable about an audience. Uh, you know, the creative community 
does it for each other, but then they do it for the best audience in the world. And that's remarkable. So interesting. So so we've got so many people immigrating into Austin, and immigration, of course, is a big thing. Uh, that's the thing I've never gotten where there, there's, there's a hater's mentality that new people coming to Austin somehow dilute the preciousness of, of our vibe. Because, sure, there's some trust fund douchebags, and there's definitely guys with a ton of money that – but there have always been people like that in Austin. There's always but, been douchebags. And I like to think I was a douchebag. <laughs> I think we've all maybe yes. exhibited that uh, from time to time. But my point is, it, it's almost, it is back to that universal spirit. People come to the, to America to chase their dreams here. And people come to Austin because they like what's here. You know, one of the things is, my, in my experience, most people feel that at Austin they should have closed the door and locked it right after they Close got the border, build a border wall. It's right after they got here. <laughs> right. Not before, right after. Right. You know, I was talking to Rick Linkletter once, and this is a few years ago, and it's before. And again, it's grown exponentially since then you know it's bigger now but we're talking and, and you know we we're saying you know one of the great things now is you can pay people what they're worth in austin you can hire people from outside austin to come to work for you in austin it used to be there was no money here anybody who defies money I, you know i have no use for you but money is an incredible tool power it really is it allows you to do wonderful things it allows you to have a good time it allows you to take care of your friends i live without money for a very long time and i would much rather have money than not have money and i got to earn money the best way by doing what i cared about you know i, I don't feel like you know i took advantage i wasn't selling broken used cars to make money you know i wasn't robbing banks i wasn't a banker you know coming up with scams i did i put out quality work that people wanted to they paid for it and i made money that way and money's a wonderful thing and again there's all kinds of jerks in austin now there's always been all kinds of jerks in austin uh, and i but the haters i don't get you know one is if i didn't like austin i'd leave and and the reality is people say well i can't afford it I was actually more mobile when I had no money than I've ever been before. You know, I mean, when I had no money, if I didn't like where I was living, I left. You know, I wouldn't live in a place where I wanted to hate it all the time. I actually like liking things. I like loving things. I like working with people I respect. I like the jazz. I like banging. I like when everything's cooking. I love hearing when we're sitting there and everybody's coming out with ideas and the place is banging. That, to my mind, is, is heaven. You know, it's the after-hours jam session. I was talking to Ray, and, and Ray was talking about, in the early days, being on the road and, you know, doing this. And, and they got raised, and he said, yeah, but what really kind of was the party afterwards because that's where you jam. And he goes, I didn't even know Doug Somm, the great Doug Somm, could play pedal steel, and Doug was a child prodigy until we were at a party once, and he sat down on the pedal steel and just ripped the top of my head off. Well, it, I live for the top of my head to be ripped off, and I and not by uh, God or, or fascism or by how much better I am than you are, but by talented people doing amazing things. Special thanks to Lewis. But hey, Lewis, thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Been an awesome time here. But I appreciate you making some time for us here this morning on One Man Brand Radio. I want to thank my producers, Deanna Vaughn and Jack Anderson, Monica Ballard, and Clipboard Carol Carnes. Get any feedback, you can hit me up, Ray, at Sagarin.com, or find me on Twitter and Instagram. And we'll catch you back here next Saturday morning for another edition of One Man Brand Radio here on News Radio KLBJ.